This podcast does not constitute, nor does it contain legal advice. If you require legal advice, you should consult an attorney. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court issued a decision in the case of Buck v. Davis, remanding the Fifth Circuit's denial of a post-conviction request from a capital murder defendant. The decision in Buck stretches back nearly two decades and comes to the court for the second time with a complicated and unique procedural history. Dwayne Buck was first tried and convicted for the capital murder of his former girlfriend and her friend in Texas in 1999. During the trial court proceedings, Buck's defense counsel called two experts to offer testimony on the likelihood that Buck would continue to commit future acts of violence. One of those experts, Walter Quijano, ultimately testified that Buck's violence arose only in the context of his romantic relationships, and that as such, he was unlikely to pose a threat of future violence if he were to be sentenced to life in prison instead of the death penalty. In offering his testimony, however, Dr. Quijano cited a study considering several statistical factors that he used to reach his decision. One such factor concluded that Buck, a black man, faced an increased probability of violence due to his race, noting that, quote, there is an overrepresentation of blacks among the violent offenders. Despite knowing that Dr. Quijano intended to testify in this manner, Buck's defense counsel nonetheless called Dr. Quijano to the stand and elicited testimony on these statistical factors. Predictably, on cross-examination, the prosecution seized on Quijano's testimony, asking the doctor whether, quote, the race factor, black, increases the future dangerousness for various complicated reasons, to which Quijano answered that it did. Under Texas state law at that time, a jury could only impose the death penalty if it found, unanimously, that a probability existed that the defendant posed, quote, future dangerousness. During the deliberation phase, the jury sent notes specifically requesting the psychology reports that had been admitted into evidence, including the report by Quijano discussing the statistical factors. The jury ultimately returned a sentence of death for Buck. Buck's conviction and sentence were affirmed on direct appeal. What followed for the next two decades were a series of state and federal court opinions affirming and reaffirming Buck's guilt and sentence. Meanwhile, Dr. Quijano's questionable testimony methods began to face increasing public scrutiny, resulting in the state of Texas confessing error and vacating the convictions of several defendants who, like Buck, had Quijano testify in their case. At issue in all these cases was Quijano's suggestion that race should be weighted as a factor in determining the potential for future dangerousness of defendants. Texas identified six cases where it determined that Quijano's testimony may have contributed to a wrongful conviction, including Buck's. Eventually, Texas would admit error in all of the cases identified except for Buck's. By 2004, Buck found himself in federal court on a habeas corpus petition, arguing for the first time that his trial counsel's introduction of Quijano's testimony was constitutionally ineffective under the Sixth Amendment. The district court rejected Buck's claim as procedurally defaulted, having not been raised in his previous state habeas petition. Following a 2013 Supreme Court decision that changed the manner that such claims are evaluated, Buck once again sought to reopen his federal habeas petition through a motion under the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure Rule 60B, a rarely granted procedure that allows a party to be relieved of the effect of a judgment in circumstances such as mistake, newly discovered evidence, or fraud, or under the catch-all B6 provision for, quote, any other reason that justifies relief in extraordinary circumstances. Buck identified 11 extraordinary factors that he believed warranted review, including the use of Quijano's testimony linking race to an increased propensity for violence. The district court again rejected Buck's claim, concluding first 
that Buck had not demonstrated, quote, extraordinary circumstances, and that any mentions of race were at most de minimis. And second, that Buck's ineffective assistance claim would fail on the merits anyhow, since prior Supreme Court precedent required that he show that his counsel's performance was both deficient and prejudicial. Even on the merits, the district court concluded, Buck could only show that his counsel's performance was deficient, but not prejudicial, noting once again that the references to race were de minimis. Since Buck could not prove prejudice, the district court determined he could not demonstrate a reasonable probability that he would not have been sentenced to death if not for Keanu's testimony. The Fifth Circuit denied Buck's request for a certificate of appeal, also finding that Buck had not shown extraordinary circumstances necessitating relief under Rule 60B. Finally, the Supreme Court granted certiorari to resolve the question of whether the Fifth Circuit applied an unduly burdensome standard in reviewing Buck's ineffective assistance claim. Writing for the majority, Justice Roberts immediately honed in on what would be the theme of the majority decision, and what ultimately served as the grounds for reversal in this case. Simply put, the Fifth Circuit stated the proper test for reviewing the district court's decision, but did not properly apply the test when it came time to do so. In doing so, Roberts concluded that the Fifth Circuit improperly turned what should have been a threshold question into a full merits consideration. Roberts emphasized the difference by noting the question that the Fifth Circuit was tasked with asking was, quote, whether jurists of reason could disagree with the district court's resolution of Buck's constitutional claims. Instead of answering this question, Roberts noted, the Fifth Circuit sought to skip the threshold level determination and instead reach a conclusion on the actual merits of Buck's case. That is, as to whether Buck had shown extraordinary circumstances or shown why Texas's conduct in the case would justify relief from the judgment. In so doing, the Fifth Circuit erroneously demanded more of Buck than was permissible at that level of review, the Roberts majority concluded. Roberts next considered the Fifth Circuit's treatment of the merits of Buck's case, evaluating it as two distinct questions. First, whether reasonable jurists could debate whether Buck was denied his right to effective assistance of counsel, and second, whether reasonable jurists could debate whether Buck failed to demonstrate that his case should be reopened under Rule 60B. Considering the ineffective assistance claim first, the majority agreed with the district court's conclusion that Buck's counsel was deficient when he called Quijano to the stand and elicited testimony about race. The majority disagreed, however, with the district court's conclusion that Buck wasn't prejudiced by his counsel's error. The majority rejected the idea that Quijano's introduction of race was de minimis and did not impact the outcome of the jury's sentencing decision. Roberts emphasized the immutability of race and the impact that fact had on the minds of jurors, who were required to consider how Buck might act in the future. Jurors knew that Buck's race would not change over time, and so Keanu's testimony that this impacted his likelihood for violence was particularly damning. The majority also found it problematic that it was Buck's own counsel who had elicited the racially problematic testimony, and not the prosecution. The rationale being that jurors expect defense attorneys to represent their clients' interests, and jurors were more likely to take unfavorable statements elicited by Buck's own defense team at greater face value than they would similar claims by the prosecution. Next, the majority determined that the district court abused its discretion in refusing to reopen Buck's case on the Rule 60b motion. The majority lambasted the district court's conclusion that the discussion of race was de minimis in Buck's case. With Justice Roberts offering a strong statement on the absolute prohibition of racial considerations in convictions and sentencing. Quote, 
Our holding makes clear that Buck may have been sentenced to death in part because of his race. As an initial matter, this is a disturbing departure from a basic premise of our criminal justice system. Our laws punish people for what they do, not who they are. Dispensing punishment on the basis of an immutable characteristic flatly contravenes that guiding principle. Writing for the dissent, Justice Thomas, joined by Justice Alito, attacked the majority for its criticisms of the Fifth Circuit. As the dissenters saw it, the Fifth Circuit did no wrong in reaching the merits of the extraordinary circumstances determination on the Rule 60B motion. The dissent also chastised the majority for eventually doing exactly what it criticized the Fifth Circuit for doing, that is, deciding the merits of the Rule 60B claim. Next, the dissent attacked the majority's merits determination, arguing that Buck was not prejudiced by Quijano's testimony. The dissent did so in a very interesting manner, spending a great deal of time painstakingly reviewing the factual circumstances of Buck's crime. After reviewing the underlying facts of Buck's case, the dissent concluded that the prosecution had adequately proven that Buck's crime was sufficiently heinous and unremorseful that Quijano's de minimis racial testimony did not ultimately impact the outcome of the case, and that the jury would have imposed the death penalty even without Quijano's problematic testimony. Finally, the dissent argued that the majority erred in substituting its own judgment for that of the district court in finding that the district court abused its discretion in denying the Rule 60b motion. The dissent accused the majority of overreaching by deciding itself that Buck's circumstances were extraordinary. The dissenters, on the other hand, believe that such a determination is highly fact-bound and should have been left to the district court's discretion. Finally, the dissent predicted that despite the majority's errors, the decision would not have the effect of changing any broad legal principles. First, the dissent observed that given the complicated procedural history and highly fact-dependent nature of Buck's case, the circumstances leading to this decision are unlikely to ever arise again. Second, because the majority concluded only that the Fifth Circuit misapplied a standard and did not announce a new standard, no actual changes resulted in the law. In a final warning to the lower court, the dissent made clear that on remand, Buck must still make his case for his ineffective assistance claim, implying that he may still yet face an uphill battle and additional years of litigation before this case is ultimately resolved. This is Jesse Baker for Supreme Podcast.